Kings. So, I just heard off air, you guys were talking about some t-shirts and some branding and stuff and all of that kind of jazz. And as I always do, I am one who is big on t-shirts. Uh, I wear a t-shirt, I try to wear a t-shirt every Monday or every show. So today, just a little too, but I'm wearing a shirt, it's a black on black, and it's just simple, it just says dope. Because that's how I feel today. I feel like I'm going to be dope. I'm going to have a dope day. I got some dope guests with me. So I think I have the right thing. So as I always say, people, you know how to get with me. At SportsRap underscore D on Instagram and Twitter. And you know the Facebook group. Hit me up. I will wear your stuff. You get me some shirts or whatever. I will wear your merchandise. I will brand for you. You know, And I can help people advertise as always. Just... Go to my page, check me out, or send me a message, send me an email, and we can talk about how we can get that done. The stage shirt was done by a very close person of mine, my wife, Hope Gaines, Um, and her Instagram is I Make It Yours with underscores in between all of the words. Personalized t-shirts, so you can get with her. If you can't get with her, you can get with me, and we can get you organized, and we can make it yours. So you can give us designs, we can design them for you, or however you want to do it. So... I make it yours, so it's I underscore make underscore it underscore yours, and you can get with her and get your t-shirts done. So, getting back to my friends here in the building today, Coach Mo, I know the coaching thing, and we've talked before, we talked about the basketball thing several times, how did you get involved and how did you come about to be the GM of this team? So it's very interesting how I got involved. Um, I actually had seen that the Yeti Kings had started to follow me. So on Instagram. So right away I contacted um, <laughs> I contacted um, Leon Howard, who is basically a figurehead in Yaden. You know, he um, okay. runs the YEAA. And he's been doing YEA, which stands for um, Yaden Athletic. Um, I mean, yeah, Yaden Athletic um, Association. So <clears throat> he's been running that for a while. So anything that usually moves in our area, we know about. So the first thing I'm like, I'm like, Leon, who's the Yaden Kings? Um, what's going on here? Who's the belt? You know, where is this coming from? And I was like, is this real? Because you know, sometimes you see fake pages and stuff. So Leon was like, I don't know. Like, let me do my research. So then, like, 24 hours later, this guy, <laughs> I hear Brian is, you know, he's part of the, you know, owning mm-hmm. owning um, the business. So I just was like, okay. So me and Brian talked. Um, I had a meeting with Brian. Um, Brian has known me ever since I was younger. Like, um, I want to say 11, 10, 11 years old. He's known me. I grew up on Yaten Avenue. Um, my mom lived on Yaden Avenue and my grandma lived on Belly Road. So I would always play in his backyard because that's where all the athletes would hang out. Like, I mean, it was this girl named Samara Campbell that had an arm like nobody's business. And we used to think Samara was going to go play football. And Brian always used to encourage her, yo, keep throwing, keep throwing. And during that time, you know, it wasn't women, girls weren't in those type of sports. So he used to always motivate us and say, like, Listen, you stick with your game. Like I was big, I was taller than everybody else. Right. All the guys coming up, but he always just supported and put motivation in our um, in our heads to continue, no matter what, you know. And 
that's where we started to grow. Like I, I knew his grandma, his mom, you know, it was a lot in our community that we knew what was, what was going on. And he always pushed athletics. Everybody that was involved in sports had to stop past his house. Like he knew everybody that was involved. So he's, like I said, he knew me since I was a young, a young kid. He always inspired me. And then from that time, he explained to me what he was doing with the Aiden Kings. Then I had a meeting with Slim. And then from there, you know, um, the offer was on the table. Um, they had other people that they could have choose, chosen from as well. But mm -hmm. like I said, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Um, I feel like having this opportunity and being from Yaden, um, they made the right decision. Um, and I think I'm the best to be able to manage and organize the team and run it to success. Um, you know, I, I take what I do very serious. Okay. So she told I'm me. Well, good. I'm glad you chimed in. She told me what Brian thought about her. And I was going to ask you answered the question already. I was going to ask how did you guys know each other and how long have you known each other? But Slim, my guy, what, what put Coach Mo on the radar for you guys to be, to be even thought of, thought of as a GM? Uh, I gotta say, a good friend of mine. Um, well, actually, when we were, when we were first thinking about GMs, uh, a bunch of names were thrown around, and we all sat down. And a good friend of mine, um, Coach Drew Andrew Klinkskell, he told me like a while ago when I first was telling about the team, like, "Yo, we need somebody." And he was mentioning her to be the coach. And once we started uh, going through like the pluses of. Uh, GMs, her name just kept coming up, and it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, it just makes so sense. So she's checking she's like almost every box as you go along. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just think it's just a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. I think she just was the perfect fit, and she she overstands what we trying to do, and she's very focused. She's more yeah. focused than some of the ownership groups sometimes. <laughs> 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 so so she she keeps us in line. You know what I mean? She. She definitely really needed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think from the few times that I have spoken with her prior to me knowing about this situation and knowing that you guys knew each other, I I, I get the feeling that basketball is a passion. Absolutely. For her. Um, I think being able to do something with basketball in the area where she grew up is a passion Absolutely. for her. So, again, great choice, and, and I think it's the perfect choice. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about professional sports and other sports and we talk about GMs and how sometimes they come and go, uh, I think that those two qualities that I just mentioned are fuels for her success. And I think the passion will be exhumed from her Absolutely. towards everyone else. But I just think that, and like I said, I... I when I first came across Coach Mo way back when, um, she'll tell you, myself and my wife were stunned at the fact that she was a microbiologist. And, oh, yeah. And my thing was the sports thing, and I saw her profile, and I reached out, and right away, yes, well, oh, I would love to come here, no problem. And then we started talking on the air, and then she's like, well, yeah, I'm a microbiologist by trade. And me and my wife were looking at each other, and I'm looking like, wait, what? <laughs> and and it came out like that because we had talked so much basketball, right. and everything was like right on point, right on point, right on point, right on point. 
And then she just throws in there, yeah, well, but I'm a microbiologist, by the way. And and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, really? So, you know, I, I understand how her profile and it jumps out at you. Absolutely. And that's just, like you said, I didn't even know about the microbiology thing. I said the basketball and just her enthusiasm and her passion for the game. Not to mention she, she reads Penwood and Rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Coach Mo, I know that you coach girls, mm -hmm. and I know about team success. Mm -hmm. What types of challenges, if any, do you think will arise in you managing a men's team and putting this team together? Um, as far as challenges, uh, I just feel like I'll see the challenges as they come. Because I'm the type of person where I don't look at all the negatives that may come. Mm -hmm. I look at the positives and I deal with the challenges as they, they arise. Um, as far as uh, coaching men, I don't think I'll have that problem. As far as not coaching them, but um, managing the team because it's a male's team. Once again, um, about 2000, I want to say 12 it was, 2012, I had the Jumpstart League. And that ran out of Darby. And that okay. league was, I ran that league and it was all men all men and um, we had a senior division and then we had younger kid division but so with dealing with um, men and coaching them and managing them I don't think that'll be a problem at all um, I think that I have a really good delicate balance when it comes to um, negotiation and understanding of the ultimate goal is is what our program and organization is about and we cannot let that message be missed so once a player has an understanding of that everything's about the mission you know what are, what is the mission what is the vision and if they align accordingly with that and they fit into our right. system that's what you know that's how we're I'm going to maneuver from that but with regards to managing males I don't think I'll have a problem with that okay. so Brian what types of what types of players are you guys or have you guys talked about in designing the team and the style of play that you would like to see your team Huh. All right, you can pass it now, but it's coming back. You know, the ball's coming back. All right. Um, go ahead. Um, we're looking for players that, for me, I was just saying players that um that still got a dream, you know, that want to take it to the next level. So this is the opportunity. Like Mo was saying, um, it has always been so much talent in Delaware County, especially Yay and Darby. And they just missed out because they were overlooked. Okay. So we're here to change that, change all that. So that's what I have to say about um, as far as the player was. Mm -hmm. uh, I just feel like we want to have a, a a good competing team, fast-paced basketball, solid defense. Um, we, we're picking a coach this week, I guess. So that's what I'm excited about. Like, I know we're going to get to the team part, but... Right. I, I'm well, you got to have the coach in place. Too. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about so, the leadership. And so how did, that, how did that process play out for you guys? I saw you guys were posting, and I shared it a couple times, too. So how did that all work out and play out for you guys as far as now you said you're going to make a decision? Or the coaching? Yeah. Well, this is Mo's team, so... <laughs> <laughs> so... Just to add on to what they were saying with type of players, we want players that are well-rounded, 
that have a good head on their shoulders, that off, uh, understand offense and defense, um, understand systems. We want in the ABA. What is the ABA? It's a high, fast scoring game. Everybody knows you look at the scores. Scores are 131, 120. That's not uncommon, right. but that tells you what. Defense is not really being played. So with that being said, yeah, we want those shooters, we want those guns, but we also want someone that is defensive sound mind and has a defensive sound mind. And, um, you know, with regard to um, <clears throat> coaching, this week we are doing our interviews and um, for our head coach's positions. Um, and we have a little bit of linger over to next week uh, for our assistant coaches' positions. Uh, by the end of this week, we will know who our head coach is. Uh, we had a really good um, turnout with regard to head coach head coach mm -hmm. positions. Uh, we had probably at least we were at fourteen. We had now twenty uh, coaches that have applied for a head coach's position or assistant coach's position. Um, so you know, I think that once we have our coaches aligned. Uh, we go from there because the type of coaches uh, that we're looking for is, uh, you know, coaches that have had that experience on either the Division One level, Division Two level that um, doesn't necessarily have to have ABA experience, but we are looking for coaches right. that have coached on the collegiate level because that is the next step up. And people that have that type of uh, network, you have to have networks when it comes down to recruiting, when it comes down to right. scouting. You have to have a good base, and people have to have a good feel for that person. So um, that's the type of coach that we're looking for. So I think that's going well. Um, our coaching selection, player selection, like I said, we want players that want it. You know, you have the opportunity here right. to play for a professional team um, in our area and have the opportunity to get seen and mm -hmm. exposed to um, scouts um, and agents. And that's our goal. That's cool. definitely our goal. Yeah, I think um, from what I saw from watching the Monarchs, the, few, the games that I went to, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I like the pace of the league, but I also like the fact that with the Monarchs, and that was the team that I was generally focused on, mm -hmm. they played enough defense mm -hmm. to, at times, I, they had to get themselves back in the games. They played enough defense to get themselves back in the games and ultimately win those games. A lot of wins for that team. It was a, I think it was a well-put-together team. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some changes as it progressed, some late additions, some late um, subtractions. But I think they fit well with what was going on there. So I understand how you have such a rich talent base in the Delaware County, as did Camden. Mm -hmm. But, again, a lot of times, like you all have mentioned, Yaden, Darby, Collingdale, <laughs> and, I'm just oh, um, and those areas out there get overlooked. And I think, I just feel like they get overlooked because people inside the city, they just hear Darby and they think that's it. Mm -hmm. Or they say Darby and Yaden, that they think that's it. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember, it's like Philly. Like Philly has West Philly, North Philly. And then within West Philly, you got uh, the bottom. And you got this and you got that, you right. know. So there are pockets all around. Mm -hmm. And Delaware County for people that are in Philly that are tuned in and listening, it, it, it's bigger than what you think. It's yeah. more than what you think. Yeah. So it doesn't end at 69th Street and you're in Darby <laughs> and a little bit further you're in Yadin. Yes. That's not it. Yes. It, it. It branches out. It broadens out a little bit farther. And there are people there. They do the same things that we do. You know, a lot of times, and I'm glad I got you guys uh -huh. laughing, but a lot of times... You, and you know this from growing up in the hood, right. just like I did. We know, so a lot of times we get caught up in 
our little pockets. Mm-hmm. And then we hear things and you'd be like, for real? It's like that over there? And I know that's how we were when I was younger, when we played ball. We played in our park, at Hunting Park or whatever, and we would always go with five or six people. And it was like, look, we on now, we going to play. You better come correct because you might get on and you might not get on. Right. You know? <laughs> and then we started hearing about other players, and we was like, well, look, we play y'all all the time. We going over here today. We would go to Finley, you know, and we would go to South Philly and things of that nature. And then you build bonds right. where at that particular time, then we could go anywhere and play. And we didn't have to take a whole group with us. We can go with two or three people and we can play with some of the people there. Yeah. And I'm sure that was the same way. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, Mo, you just mentioned you used to play in his backyard. Yeah, yeah. And he was a big influence and a lot of camaraderie and things of that nature there. So great, this small part of the team that I'm talking to right now, I see bright things from this side. And like I said, Coach Mo is, is, is I don't even know what else to ask her because she pretty much answers everything when I try. I ask her one question, she answers three or four. <laughs> but it's no, I mean, I can't, she can't help it. And that's what I mean about her passion for it. Like, it, she answers literally. She may not know it. It may not be intentional. But me sitting here looking at my notes, I ask her one question and she answers like three or four. But it's a great thing, and that shows me the dedication Absolutely. and the family base yeah. that's there. Yeah. That's there. So with the coaching, you said you wanted coach. So how broad was the spectrum? I'm sure it was pretty wide. Yeah, you know, um, I, I we meet and we talk, and I just get them to see all the information that gets sent to me in emails. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think the biggest thing is is that having a qualified person, you know, um, something you had spoke on and you were just saying how when we build things as a people, a lot of times people are like, okay, yo, I need to be on this. This is you. I should be here. But you have to understand this is a business. So we can't just pick up anybody. You know, even though we know you're part of the community, there may be room for you somewhere. But we have to also be smart about our and strategic when we put people in certain positions because mm-hmm. at, the end of, at the end of the day we want to be successful in what we do and Absolutely. not saying other people would not bring success but there's a, it's a business mm-hmm. so right. we want a, a people that once again has had that college experience mm-hmm. and you know sometimes you have people applying that have not that only coached youth basketball well, mm-hmm. there's a big difference when coaching youth basketball and dealing with grown men. You know, what do you do when a player, a, a grown man gets irate with you? How do you handle that? You right. know, so we want to make sure that we have coaches in place that can deal with that, that can mm-hmm. understand how to adjust, you know, because you don't want someone giving that negative energy. If a player is giving that negative energy, they're grown. You can't fight that back, you right. know. We have to have people that can handle that. So that's, I think that's a really key element when picking a coach, just to make sure their temperament, they have good mm-hmm. temperament, and they're well-respected, you know. Right. So when, you know, the, the um, application process is very, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> it's um, definitely not easy. Like I said, I coached with my uncle, and we coached youth. Mm-hmm. But from our upbringing, it was always, my uncle was the head coach. I was the associate head coach. But I was always the one that talked to the kids. Mm-hmm. And... It was never a moment when a kid did something 
or didn't do something that they got taken out of the game and just went and sat down. Never, never that. I'm always talking to kids during the game, after the game, before the game. And I think in a lot of youth basketball, that's a lost art. I don't think they have enough or enough of the proper, properly qualified assistance mm-hmm. to handle that part of the aspect. And especially when you get to that 14, 15-year-old, getting ready to go into high school. And one of the things that me and my uncle used to always tell my coaches, we used to tell our kids and the parents, listen, we are going to prepare your kids for the next level. I mean, it may just be high school, but we're going to prepare them for the step past high school if they want to go that far. And we had parents to say, well, why are you doing that? I said, because when they get to a certain level, and I said, matter of fact, let me tell it to you this way. Let's just say your child does become well enough as far as basketball to go to a top flight division one school mm-hmm. coach is going to say look jimmy i need you to go in i need you to rebound play some tight d that's all i need you to do for now mm-hmm. jimmy goes out he starts out playing this d yada 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 jimmy catches the ball one time in the offense and he jacks up a three mm-hmm. i can tell you right now sitting here today that coach is going to be irate <laughs> nine times out of ten the first opportunity the coach can get to take Jimmy out of the game, he's going to do that. I said, but depending on that coach and his the makeup of his staff, the coach ain't going to say nothing to him when he walks past him coming out of the game because he's in the game. He's not going to say anything to him that at that moment because he's got to stay focused in the game. How is your child going to handle that? Part two, if he doesn't have the sufficient staff that's going to talk to you, the kid's going to go sit. He's going to talk to his players, teammates maybe. And you know how it can get with some teammates. A teammate might say, look, well, you weren't supposed to shoot that jump shot. Mm-hmm. The response could be, well, I was open. When you open, you're supposed to shoot. Mm-hmm. No, but the game plan was A, B, and C. Right. How's the kid going to handle that? Mm-hmm. If we don't get them now, mm-hmm. when they get to high school, they're going to get labeled or have the potential to be labeled uncoachable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want that, yeah. especially not with our kids. Because a lot of times our kids are labeled uncoachable before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we don't want to continue that. We want our kids to progress, and we want them to understand that you have to be able to take certain things mm-hmm. because it's times that are, they are going to come about. So you being a coach, Mo, I understand how rigorous and how in tune you were with and precise you were with your you know with the selection and the guidelines for your selections and that's only going to make the team better like you said people don't understand it and people watch things and they see things at different levels and take things for granted you have coaches in the nba that argue with their players yeah but they get to the film room they get to practice and they work these things out at some point, they talk and they get things worked out. Mm-hmm. You have to hash those things out in order to progress as a unit, as an individual, and as a team. So I, I applaud you for, you know, being the coach that you are and having the knowledge and understanding of what you want and how you want to progress um, and have a coaching staff. And you have to have a disciplined coaching staff. Yes. You definitely have to have that. Yes. Because if you don't, and you have to try and read 
your selections and see if they can mesh together. Because mm-hmm. if there's a conflict mm-hmm. in the coaching ranks, it's bound to be some conflict within the team. Yeah. And yeah. Because players are like your kids. Mm-hmm. They're watching you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a player and you talk to me like, whatever, whatever, you do me this and you do that, I used to always tell my kids, if I'm getting on you, that means I see something in you and I want you to succeed. Right. Not the fact that I'm not talking to this kid. I'm going to talk to him, but I'm going to go talk to him on a different level, a different angle. Mm-hmm. Maybe pull him to the side and sit him down and say, listen, you need to work on this, you need to work on that. But I see you can do things. Look, you can go to the right easily. Go to the right. Why are you going to the left? Well, Coach, I'm supposed to, I understand you're supposed to use both, but if this guy is giving you the right mm-hmm. every time, mm-hmm. then you take it until somebody stops it, yeah. until somebody cuts it off. Yeah. And a lot of times I think the coaches need to build the kids' IQs or the players' IQs. And I mean that. Some You have some guys that are high school that don't have the IQ that person A may play, maybe player B. Mm-hmm. May not have the same IQ. And coaches have to understand that, and coaches have to figure out ways to fit these guys in. Yeah. And I think with Coach Moe's background, I think you won't have a problem with fielding a staff that'll be a cohesive unit, which I think is going to work. Um, is going to be very, very beneficial uh, for you guys. So, thank somebody. you for that. I, right, I was going to say thank you for that because I definitely. I definitely feel that's important, and and then also you might have those athletes that um, are not playing. You know, what about those that don't go to college that are just sitting, and the opportunity is there. Right. We're looking at those athletes as well. Mm-hmm. Athletes that may have come from JUCO. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, athletes that just need that one last look. Right. You know, to to get over mm-hmm. and accomplish. You know, things yep. for sure. So also, on all levels, coach, GM, owners, mm-hmm. do you think? that you guys will have teaching aspects in your entire program. And when I mean that, I mean, I know the uh, coaching will be teaching moments because like Coach Mo just mentioned, you're going to have players from all walks of life that are going to try out just because it's a pro, whatever, we can get paid to do this. I mean, you get somebody that was just, a.k.a. playground legend that's going to come. But a lot of times they get caught up in the mix where I'm a playground legend, I'm good, but now you got some structure. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with how do you adjust to having that structure? Mm-hmm. Well, we we dealt with something like that in Camden with Lenny Cook. And uh Lenny was a good friend of what well, is a good friend of mine now. Um but Lenny was a playground legend. Mm-hmm. And uh just bringing him in and 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 letting some of the younger dudes learn from him gave him that uh responsibility to like calm down and mm-hmm. you know really just uh play a role right and um allowing him to play that role gave him gave gave us uh a lot of flexibility with the lot with the younger players and, and people who never played in the ABA or whatever mm-hmm. so it, it gave a, it gave us uh I want to say it was a benefit to us uh just having somebody like that um but we we more than confident that that Mo is is going to be um, great at what she do and, and pick the right staff and and build a winning franchise. Yeah, we, I, we, I totally I we, totally we agree. We give her the team a hundred percent to 
You know what I'm saying? Make it work. Mm-hmm. We believe in it. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, what other things have you done? And again, you mentioned briefly about being from Yale and talent being overlooked. What other uh, ideas or things sparked sparked you into being an owner? As far as doing maybe something else, as far as with the team or whatever, what made you decide you wanted to be an owner? Well, um, with Slum, we've been doing business with each other with, with entertainment and um, things of that mm-hmm. nature, um, community activities. Um, if I never, it was never in me to like be an owner of a basketball team. That that wasn't mm-hmm. even a thought. Um, and it just came about whatever my boys doing is positive, and they want to bring me on. You know, right. that means something to me. So, okay. so I would had the attitude let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but within this, um, I already got a plan already in my head that you know when I'm going to bring back to the home front, um, like summer camp, community thing for the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm for the kids. That's me. So mm-hmm. this opportunity will open up another door. Um, right. Like what what Yade and Darby and these little community towns that that mm-hmm. get overlooked and don't get exactly what it needs for the kids. Um, I remember growing up in Yadon, 13, 14 years old, we didn't have basketball courts. They took them down in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't play. So my mom wouldn't want me a portable court. So okay. and then we would get chased. Oh, you can only have three or four players. And it was times when we had two teams that we took our Yadon and Darby kids, and my mom was the coach. And we mm-hmm. had to go play in Myers and King Seston. Right. You know, so to be to be a part of that, it was just like wow, we came a long way. And mm-hmm. we bring them back. So to bring something back home, it's just, it's just great. Um, but my other experiences, uh, I coached youth football uh, okay. for four years. Um, I'm a volunteer for a nonprofit organization. I travel right. around the world and um, donate school supplies and and I uh, do summer camp to different countries, um, schools. So um, I'm very involved, uh, like Mo said. I was never the guy that had this big dream, you know, to be a, a professional sport player or anything like that. But I always wanted to be the one that if I can push somebody to pursue mm-hmm. their dream, my job is done. Cool. So that's, that's the type of person I am. Cool. This, yeah, so, you know, earlier I asked about um, the community involvement and how did you plan to get the team involved in the community. From what Brian just said, and I, I love the idea and the points that you made about the summer camps and having the players involved. Um, that also goes to what we talked off air before we went on about the NCAA thing, where now you're going to give these players a step if and so, or if, if they move to that next level, now they have some background in community involvement, Absolutely. which is a big thing at that next level. And doing it in your own background, in your own backyard, is I think one of the best things that can be done because I'm sure you all know from the walks of life that you are in a lot of times people get these opportunities or similar opportunities and immediately they want to take it away from where they are they don't want to do it where they are and I think it's a loss when you take it away because, like you said, now you have the basketball team in Yaden, 
Now you got these people that can come to these basketball games, mm-hmm. you know. And people, like I said, people take this for granted. Like, we know the Sixers play in South Philly. You can get there, train, whatever. You can get there if you need to get there. But it's no better or no greater feeling than being right in your backyard. Like I mentioned, like I was joking earlier, I was like, look, we can go right down the street and see a professional basketball game and probably know a handful of the players mm-hmm. that are playing. It's a beautiful thing. It makes you feel proud mm-hmm. within that community, and it brings the life back to the community. And it's great, to, like I said, it's great to see the ownership from you guys that are from that area. So with that being said, Slim, anything else that you're working on besides the team right now? Uh, right now, the focus is the team. Um, we we putting all our uh, efforts into this and to make this work. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else is just like whatever. You know, we I, I got a million businesses, but this is this is the focus right now. Right now, you know okay. what I'm saying? Um, we do have Mo just reminded me the mascot. We're doing a mascot contest um, okay. to name our mascot. Right now, the top names are Sir Keith and Yady. So we we gonna put up a poll to uh to get those and see who okay. votes on those. And but that that's that's great. Like I said, I even when I saw it, I even threw a name in there right. just because. But again, like we said, now today's society, we have the social media, Absolutely. and I'm sure as soon as you posted that, y'all was getting hits like crazy. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, got a bunch of hits. And, and you know, it, it's for me. Even though I would be doing stuff to be covering the actual event, the sporting event, I always look to see what's going on around me. And I don't know if you notice them out. When I come to games, I always like to find a corner and sit by myself so I can focus on everything. And I like to see the community involved, especially the kids, because the kids will look at those players as celebrities almost you know and we know how many times are these kids going to get to right of course they center or whatever you know to Wells Fargo Center and actually get close enough to meet right. one of those players or be there early enough for the shoot around to be close enough to, as we are right now to see one of those players walk across their face That's right. may not even touch them or whatever but just see them mm-hmm. you know so they have something in their own backyard that they can reach out and touch which, which I think will open some more doors for them. And so, it's a $10 ticket. Yeah, see? So, like I would say, $10 a holiday. You can't beat that. You know, $10 to get you in. So, Coach Mo, again, I, I know I asked you this question before. And as far as the men, which do you think is easier to coach, males or females? Um, you got you gotta put me in a tough situation right now. <laughs> sorry. You know, it's, sorry. it's necessarily it's not it's not about what's easier. It, it's all it's a lot of dynamics that come mm-hmm. into it. Like for instance, I enjoy coaching girls. I really do. I enjoy coaching women. I've I've coached uh, for the um, the success women's team, um, and I've coached at the uh, Cops Creek. I've coached women, and. The thing is, is that um, it all depends on the person. Like, sometimes you can coach certain females and you're like, oh, she's a blessing to coach, right? She gets it. She understands. 
But then you have those sometimes that don't work as hard, you know, but you have the same thing on the boy's side. You got those that's going to give you 110, and then you got those that have the capability, but you, you know they're just not giving you 110% effort. Absolutely. So it's like, to me, you see both things, you know. You see guys, now personally, IQ-wise, I think the girls have it more than the guys. Because guys sometimes, they'll look at, they'll look at a move, and they'll just perform the move. But they don't study the move. They don't understand why they're performing the move. Versus girls, you can say, "Hey, Ange, why are you got? Why are you guys doing this? What's what's the reason?" Well, Coach Mo, this is what I see because every time she keeps going to my left hand, so I'm trying to quickly distribute the ball. Like they'll break it down. Guys, no, I'm I'm going at them. You know what I'm saying? So I think that females are a little better with decision making and IQ, and they understand the why. More so with guys, I don't think they necessarily go after the why. It's like, yo, I'm going to get this bucket. Mm. Plain and simple. Right. That person was open, I'm giving them the ball. You know, so I don't think it's, um, I can't say I enjoy coaching one or the other because I think both of them have their own challenges, you know, mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, as coaching, you enjoy both of it because it does nothing but enhance you and make you better. When you learn these different characteristics and things of that nature, it mm -hmm. definitely helps you. Right. Definitely does. So, sorry, I couldn't answer that differently. <laughs> No, that that was actually that was actually uh, a great answer, um, and an answer that I feel like is a more elaborate answer than I would have got from someone else, um, because you broke it down on that there are similarities on both sides, but you have this on this side, and you have that on that side. And like you said, you see the similarities, but you kind of understand where the women are coming from a little bit better. Like you said, the guys, it's about the, the machismo. Dude, look, he, he's slacking off. I'm going to get this bucket every time he slack off. Yeah. And with the girl or women, it may be she's lacking off. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking to see if I, have to, if I can get that shot or what else is coming yeah. that I can help out and make a better play, you yeah. know. And like you said, the guys don't get it right away. They just think we got to get a bucket. Mm -hmm. But it's more than one way that you can get the bucket than you shooting it. Yes, and, and you know? also to just elaborate discipline. You know, right. I personally think that sometimes with females it's easier to discipline them because as female basketball players, we, we, we don't want to do anything out. Sometimes you don't want to do things outside the norm mm -hmm. because you're like, you don't want to mess it up or you don't want to make a mistake. You know, we kind of step a little bit on eggshells mm -hmm. a little bit, whereas guys, they're risky. They're like, right. yo, if I see it, I'm going, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you have sometimes those females that are risky players. I mean, I've seen some point guards that, you know, have no left hand but can get a bucket right every single time, and they won't even take the risk to go to the left. They'll just go right, right the whole time, but they'll, they're making it, you know. Right. So I just think there's, uh, this, you know, different aspects you can look at, look at it. But I personally think each of them definitely have their own, own challenges. Cool. So how do you guys plan to facilitate your tryouts for Flip? Um, are you going to have open tryouts? Are you going to have special invites? Yeah. Um, so I'll let the owners start off with that because they're not talking much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take over. <laughs> well, um, in the beginning, we, we were going to do uh, like one or two tryout days. Okay. And then, um, but then Mo came up with the greatest idea of come up with a uh, let's do a combine. So 
that's that's the avenue that we're gonna take. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna look to have maybe two two or three days, mm -hmm. and uh, possibly maybe maybe do different area, like have a combine in this area, you know, just so we can reach out to people that can't you know get close to it. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Combine is definitely the way that we're going. Uh, definitely the way that we're going where I like um, that idea it, it's not going to be a try because you know with combines you're going to more going to gravitate yeah. in there and mm -hmm. also too we are not against a partnering partnership with someone partnering with someone in our um in the mid-atlantic conference because that's what we're in we're in the mid-atlantic conference okay. so for instance say if the philly cannons wanted to hey let's partner and do this combine together you know, mm -hmm. um, so we can pull talent, you know. Um, I personally think it's more power in numbers and when you work together. Absolutely. And um, these guys, I wouldn't have want to work with anyone else or for anyone else because I feel like that's their message. They want to work together. They want to build um, build within the community. And that's another thing is businesses. I don't know if you're familiar in our area, but we don't have a whole lot of businesses in our area. So the fact that we're bringing this organization to our area, I think it will attract where we want to use local businesses when it comes down to vending and things of that nature. Right. We're going to go inside of our community and utilize those mm -hmm. people and those businesses in our inside of our community before we're going to go outsource. Right. Because we need to bring value inside Absolutely. of our community. Right now, um, the, another thing that brought me even more to want to work with them is, is that they are concerned about our school district. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, uh, we've had conversations. Due to this pandemic, all of our districts have to go, uh, we have to become ready to go for internet. We, we every everything is distant learning. Right. So with that being said, our school district, we didn't have enough uh, laptops to be able to do district learning, I mean, distant learning. So these guys, they were thinking about, okay, what can we do? You know, mm -hmm. so I just, I just, you know, I think that community base and building that talent from within and building our businesses, I think that that's what we're definitely about, and we'll be able to pull that type of um, talent from our combine as well. Cool. I, I like I like the idea of having a combine. Um, it brings professionalism, and again, that word structure, mm -hmm. where you know a lot of times if you just say open tryouts, you're going to get usually a slightly more number higher number of just wing it players mm -hmm. than you will yeah. actually players that are actually serious about mm -hmm. what you're trying to do yeah. now when you say combine those wing it players think a little bit harder before they say yeah i'm gonna go try it anyway yeah. you know and that's what you want to do because if you just open tryout it's very it becomes more difficult to weed out the talent that you want. Yeah. When you have a combine, you can set it up where you have stations, so to speak. You know, I'm not saying that this is what you're going to do, but I, I understand, and I said I like the idea of having that where you can see this guy may not shoot well, but his defense, he moves his feet very, very well. He's very in tune to the game. Like, he knows what he's supposed to do. He just can't shoot that well. You can figure out a way to incorporate him into what you want to do, as opposed to someone just running out there, just running around, looking to get a shot on, mm -hmm. which is what I call the winged players. You're just running around. I'm looking to get my shot, play defense. No, I'm looking. If my guy go by me, I'm cheating. I'm going cherry picking. Yeah. No, you know, yeah, yo. And then get upset when you don't get it. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. You know? Exactly. Because, no, that, that's not what we do. We, we run in this offense. We're going to do this. And you gave up the basket. So why would I throw the ball to you to get you an easy basket? Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And a lot of times, a lot of times people don't understand that. Like, like people think, or a lot of people think, that you can just go, say, I'm going to go open try. I'm going to go play. But not realizing, not looking at themselves completely, like, I know I can play a little bit. I'm good on the playground and whatever. Haven't really played. They never think, well, I never really played much structured ball. So mm-hmm. I could get out there and not know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, they don't ask. Mm-hmm. Now, when I played, I was always one to ask questions. If I did something on the court and the coach looked at me funny, the first opportunity I got, coach, what's up? Y'all let you. What? I did what you said. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't do what I said. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to make a V cut and you made a UCLA cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, okay, I got you. Like, I was always one to want to know what I did mm-hmm. because I'm in tune to everything. And I'm on the court and I walk past the coach and the coach looked at me funny. First thought is, what the did I do? <laughs> yeah. And if I can't figure it out, I think I'm at a loss to myself, mm-hmm. and I could hurt the team even more than what I may have already done not knowing it. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what to do and what not to do so I don't do it again. Or if I make the mistake again, I can go to coach and say, look, coach, I got you. I, I know what, what I was supposed to do. I don't know what I was thinking about, yada, 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 but I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if it comes my way, it comes. But when it does, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. As opposed to me just being out there and like, well, wait, you said a V-cut. And I did a UCLA cut. Like, no, I went to the baseline. Uh-huh. And then the coach would be looking at you like, yeah, that's what you weren't supposed to do. You were supposed to go this way. You know, so I think that's a, a great idea, having the combine. So we're at 12-14. And I am sure that once these things go up, announcements and all of that, Slim will be in touch with me. He'll tag me. He'll send me stuff. I will definitely repost and, you know, I will let people know what's going on on my end when tryouts uh, begin. I'm sure I'll be alerted with that and I will do my diligence. And because I'm telling this to you guys right now, I'm not going to just send you anybody. Okay, so you can have you got my word on that. I'm only going to talk people that are serious about whatever what they want to do, whether it's something with the business or something, playing, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're not serious, then I can't be involved. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So that being said, like I said, now we got 12-15. So we can talk some basketball now, just some regular basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you guys, uh, first before we get in there, I appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedules to come in and sit and chat with me and introduce uh, the team to the area. Um before we go, I want to get pictures of you guys just in front of things so I can post the pictures for later, whatever, but we'll get to that. But we mentioned, we talked all this basketball about building teams and coaching players and building players. The Last Dance, episodes 9 and 10 yesterday, the culmination of the second three-peat and a lot of behind the scenes throughout the entire series. But last night's episodes, um, I was 
very anxious to see as I watched completely all the way through. I was very anxious to see how how they closed out the um the end of the series. And one of the things I couldn't understand was why they didn't want to keep that team together for at least another season. And I mean personally I think in that whole run, the whole sixth eight year run, I think they could have won eight. I think they could have won eight if Mike incident with his father passing mm-hmm. took a lot out of him because of how close they said that they were, and I totally get that. But one of the things I enjoy the most about it, and this is stuff that I tell people all the time when people ask me about the comparisons with Mike and LeBron, and I've since, for the past year or so now, I've since decided on my own to just remove myself from any of those conversations at all. I can't, it, it, but I can't do it anymore because I'm a student of the game, and I was just in a conversation this morning before I came in on social media with a couple friends, and I tell people all the time, It was a, I posted a picture a couple of days ago, and somebody posted about LeBron having a higher playoff average than MJ in the finals, and it was like, the wording really threw me, and I had to comment. Like I said, I tried my best to stay away. I think I saw But that. the wording was like, this is what his points were in three play, three finals losses, and this is what his most and three finals wins. And I'm looking, and I'm like, all right, so y'all comparing his numbers. And then it always took, it took me back to what I saw and some of the other memes that I've seen. Like, there was a meme that was going around with um, – when all this Jordan, uh, LeBron stuff came up with Scotty and Mike sitting on the bench, and the meme was like, "Yeah, you talk about this, that, and the third. It was like, "Well, what's a game seven? You know, they say you're going to game seven. What's a game seven? And then you get to that thing where people have been saying Mike didn't beat anybody, and that was the point that made me remove myself. And I said to people, I said, "So Mike didn't beat anybody. I said he beat." Two Hall of Famers twice. And it was like, two, yeah, he beat the Utah Jazz twice. Mm-hmm. Carl Malone, John Stein. And I mean, Carl Malone, argue, arguably the best power forward to ever play the game. Arguably. Mike didn't beat anybody. True, true, <laughs> arguably. But Mike didn't beat anybody. No, that's true. He beat Phoenix. At the time, Phoenix had another Hall of Famer, Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. He didn't beat anybody. He beat Magic. He had to get through Larry Bird, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. And he went through a lot to get to where he was. So I tell people all the time, I said, I personally think that they could have won eight. And I said, it's unprecedented the way that played out. He came back, they got beat, and the media immediately. Oh, maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Isn't it? Oh, okay. Y'all wasn't paying attention to the first three when right. people started talking trash to Mike, and you see how that turned out for them. Right. So y'all want to say he lost the step and whatever, whatever. I said, and look what happened. He came back, and they won three more. Mm-hmm. Unprecedented. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, as hard as it is to win one, you get two, you, you sitting on some gold. Mm-hmm. To get that third one is... Extremely hard, mm-hmm. but to win three in a row twice, mm-hmm. and 
at times there were only really two stars mm-hmm. on a lot of those teams. Mm-hmm. A lot of those, the other those guys, some of those other guys were made stars mm-hmm. because of the roles that they played with them. But there were literally, if you boil it down, two stars. Mm-hmm. It was Mike and Scotty. Mm-hmm. It was Mike and Scotty. I mean, I tell people they won six championships without a dominant center. Right, right, and that's what I say. And and they got Dennis Rodman, right. and, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, why are they getting Dennis Rodman?" And this and that. I told people, "Listen, if I'm starting a basketball team, and Dennis Rodman is at my access, mm-hmm. he's on my team any day of the week." Mm-hmm. And I think that was the same way that Mike and Scotty felt. It was like, "Look, we played against him in Detroit. Man, I don't care. He can have purple hair, green hair, whatever." As long as he does what he's supposed to do when he steps in them white lines and he understands what we're trying to do mm-hmm. as a unit, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. And they were. For the most part, they were fine. That's right. But people talk about, well, yeah, they, I said, but we knew Dennis is Andy. Right. We knew that. And a lot of times people also forget where Dennis Rodman came from. Right. So he came from a small town in Texas. Right. Where... He went to play basketball, and he was like, yeah, all right, okay, I'll play. Yeah. To being a star, to being able to do, <laughs> being able to do whatever he wanted from prior, you know, you know, prior to when he grew up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it changed him, but it opened his eyes to a lot more than he had ever seen in his life. Mm-hmm. And he took full advantage of it. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. He took full advantage of it. You know, and like you just said, Slim, he was dating Madonna. Right. <laughs> An, a global icon to this little kid from Texas that was getting in trouble, didn't know where his future was, at one point or another was homeless. Right. To now, oh, I'm dating Madonna, you know. So, in the story, I like the facts and the way that they broke everything down when they introduced their next point. Whoever it was focused on, they went back to mm-hmm. how they began and how they got into being incorporated with the Bulls, which I think was a great thing. And I think it was really good for a lot of people who thought they were basketball fans, right. thought they were true basketball fans, to really see the makeup of a championship pedigree team mm-hmm. and how they had bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate goal still held them together in some type of way. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys feel about it? I, I just wanted to say you brave for having that conversation. It's three conversations I don't have. One is religion. Two is who's the greatest rapper, Jay-Z or Biggie. And three is <laughs> who's better, Jay, uh, LeBron or Michael Jordan. Because yeah. it's always going to turn to Yeah, it's right? always going to turn. For me, yeah. And that's so why I said, yeah. So, But like I said, when I saw that picture, I had to comment on that picture. But now, I, I don't even. I see stuff all the time. People tag me and stuff and send me stuff. And I just look at it. Well, comparison. Nope. Not doing Because you're not going to like what I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> it's that simple. And I think that's because a lot of the people I talk to don't realize that my basketball, I was a, a student of the game. So I studied. So I can go back and tell you stuff as far as Oscar Robinson, right. Slick Watts. I can go back that far. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll talk to people when I start throwing names out, like, like who? What? <laughs> but you ain't that old. Yeah, I might not be that old, but I understood and I was a student of the game. You know, I say, y'all talk about LeBron averaging 30 or whatever. I said, you can't touch it. 
He's six eight, two fifty, and you can't touch him. Mike was six six, two fifteen, got beat up constantly. Basketball was rough for Constantly. Coaches basketball gets a lot rougher and a lot more physical. Right. Coaches in his era said, Listen, Pat Riley, perfect example. Don't let him dunk on you. You have to knock him to the floor. Coach Moe was laughing. And I kind of chuckled when I heard it the first time too. But and you think as a coach, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna tell your kid, oh, he dunk on you. No, you can't let him know. You just knock him to the floor. You're not gonna tell him that. But at that particular time, he was doing so much mm-hmm. that they felt like that was the only way, and he mm-hmm. still got through. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's amazing. The last dance to me is. Um, First of all, the the history. I think this set set aside everything else. You know, um, the history is just very very informative Mm -hmm. to let you know. And and like Phil Jackson, like I give a lot to him uh, Mm -hmm. because to me, like what I took from everything, I didn't even take the comparison. I didn't I did not watch the Last Dance and start comparing. What I thought and looked at was the journey. You know, it's so much substance in every single last one of those players and mm-hmm. if you really listen to the interviews and the feedback like you as an athlete you say my god like how did they get through it you know when you talk about why there wasn't a, a, a eight you know well their owner had a lot to do with that I, I personally think it was the media and the owner mm-hmm. that disbanded that team mm-hmm. yeah. you know and then you had um the issue with Scottie Pippen you know, him being underpaid, you know, and that's something, another thing, athletes, I hope they're paying attention, read your contracts, understand your contracts, being paid $18 million for seven years is nothing, you know, and the wear and tear that went on his body, you know, so I just feel like he needed to have somebody that was knowledgeable in his corner, and he really was so focused on playing that he wasn't thinking about his contract, you know, and I think that, you know, you just learn about staying together. How did they stay together? Mm-hmm. Letting um, Dennis Rodman be him. How do you mm-hmm. deal with that? A man comes in with a dress on, you know, but at, you, at the end of the day, they're like, you know what? We're accepting mm-hmm. him for who he is. Right. He can do all the work that we need him to do on the court. What he yep. does outside, as long as it doesn't mm-hmm. affect our team. So many people today, when we talk about, you know, I, I see coaches, um, for instance, um, who, uh, the coach from um, Oregon, posted the other night, uh, he said the game back then, he felt as though that the game back then was not well coached. He feels as though that the game of today, the NBA of today is way better than the NBA uh, back then. It was so much back and forth comments on that just one post alone, which to me um, was interesting because... I personally think that back then they showed a lot of heart. They showed a lot. Like, you can't take away what was what happened back in the day versus now, right. you know, and compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron James, one of the only players that can play five positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, show me somebody else that can play all five positions. When you talk about um, Pat Riley <laughs> making a comment of don't let them dunk on you, MJ, like, yeah, that's something you got to tell your players is coming. You know what I'm saying? It's coming. Mm-hmm. You can't say, oh, um, you know, you can stop him because we knew that, you know, his first step yep. and his hang time, you know, his maneuvering in the air. Like, mm-hmm. so many people cannot do that, you right. know. So, 
Um, I don't compare. To me, what's exciting is the journey. You know, I paid attention a lot to Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Paid a lot of attention to uh, body body language. You know, so I love the Last Dance, but I I just really hope that people take the real message from it. Right. You know, and not mm-hmm. just comparing. Not just comparing. Yeah. Now, just to to piggyback a little bit on what you just said about where the ball was going. We knew who was going to get the ball. Mm -hmm. And he missed that shot. But he was the type that, as we say, as an athlete at that high level, you got to have a short-term memory. His was extremely short. Um, In my opinion, I think he was done with it by the time he got off the floor and into the locker room. He was done with it. And like a couple times, he had press conferences and he tells people, oh, it was just a bump in the road. I think we'll be all right in the next game. Because he knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing with B.J. Armstrong mm-hmm. after he had retired and came back. And B.J. was now with the Charlotte Hornets. And B.J. had that great game. And B.J.'s like, yeah, well, I yelled and, dude, you should have knew that that was the wrong way to go about that. Mm-hmm. Play the game and let the game speak for itself. Because you know, you taunt this dude, mm-hmm. you got a serious ass kicking come. Mm-hmm. You know? And whatever way it comes, it's like, look. Oh, all right. Y'all beat me up with the Pistons. Y'all beat me up. Y'all knock me down. We're going to beat y'all. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But I'm coming back. And eventually we're going to beat y'all. And eventually they did. That's right. You know? And, and just his competitive nature. Like the instance with Magic Johnson when they were in the finals against Portland. And they were talking that Clyde was just his equal. And this and that. He felt, no, he's not my equal. And I'm going to show you. That he's not my equal. Everything that Mike did, if someone told him that he couldn't do it, he did it better. He did it better. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, who was it? I think it was uh, Judd Bushler. They talked about the incident on the, or not the incident, but they were on the plane. Ron Hartman, they were in the back. They were playing the, the guy. So we're making more money. They're playing for bigger money. Mm-hmm. Mike goes up to the front with Steve Curran, and they're playing for a dollar a hand. You know, so they're like, yo, why in the world would you want to play cards with us? And he said that Mike said, so I could say I got your money in my pocket. Uh, yeah, and they said that that's all he would say. You know, and, and they said that's all he would say. But the same way, again, I go back to the Scotty Burrell thing. When they talked about them, when they showed that part, when they were at practice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, Scott, Scott Burrell, he's, I mean, he's going in. It. And he's like, and Scott Burrell's like, no, we, we, I want you. You know, and then Mike is like, yeah, well, you better watch out for the alpha dog. Mm-hmm. Big dog, you better shit out you. But. He never backed down. And him and Steve Kerr earned Mike's respect in two different ways. Steve said, I had to defend myself. I got tired of it. I defended myself in that way. He said, Scotty Burrell just took it. Okay. All right. You want to fight? No, I don't want to fight you. But I'm still going to guard you in practice. Whatever. You can kick my ass all day long. In practice tomorrow, I'm guarding you again. And then again, like I said, Scotty got that moment. Gave up that twenty three, and it was like he was. He felt like you could see it in the game mm-hmm. that he. It was no question. Like yeah, okay, I had to come off the bench, and now I got to do this. So, all right, let's do it. There's no questions, no hesitations. So again, like you said, Coach Mo, I think a lot of the the, the stars today don't want to fully be that alpha dog. Mm-hmm. They want to be the alpha dog, yeah. but they don't want to be that full. Alpha dog, yeah, and I, I see nothing wrong with players being the alpha dog. Like Coach Mo said, listen, 
dude, you, you fucked up. Yeah. You didn't cut. You didn't set that pit. Yo, set that pit the next time. But we're deve- we're building this culture of oh my god, did I just say something wrong? You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Sp- sports is not like that. Not sports has never been like that. Nope. You know, sports has always been something to bring people together. That mm-hmm. you point out the flaws that people have, and you like like one thing I like about also the last dance. It shows how they would talk to each other, but it wouldn't make them like right. internally hurt here. Right. People of today. It's like they take everything to heart. Everything to personal. You know, you critique somebody's game and automatically they they crumble here Mm -hmm. versus saying, okay, maybe I need to watch more film of myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a possibility I I might not understand Mm -hmm. what foot I'm stepping Mm -hmm. off of or my form may be incorrect. You know, the person may have a point, you know, but I don't think like people, everyone thinks Mm -hmm. like that. And and that's why I feel like some people will never be great because... Mm -hmm. You don't look at, you don't take it that way. You know, right. you, you just take it as, oh, this person hating. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's hating, and it's not yeah. hating. It's helping you. It's, it's getting, and, and that's why, like Steve Kerr, look what he came, like from all that MJ built in him, that he, he brought toughness mm-hmm. to Steve mm-hmm. Kerr. And that's a character building thing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And the, uh, um, Burrell, like, he might not have brought the toughness because Burrell was already tough. He just said, I'm not folded. Right. I'm not folded. No matter what Absolutely. you go at me, I am not right. folded. Yep. We're, what happened to those type of characteristics in basketball? Absolutely. You know, yeah. so it's I, it just, I just really think that mm-hmm. that's something we need to really um, yeah. focus on because I think if we can build that mindset, it goes back to what you're saying. If we build that mindset at the youth, the youth then by the time they become adults, Mm-hmm. They can handle themselves better mm-hmm. in certain situations. Absolutely. I mean, imagine if you were a player that had a coach like Bobby Knight mm-hmm. in his back back in his younger years. How how do you adjust to that? Mm-hmm. Now, some people of today would say, "Oh, no one should ever, no one should ever deal with that type of coach." Yeah, was he out of line in some ways? Of yes. course. But also, some there was a lot of learning from that. Right. Yes. A lot of players today would say, "I'd still play for him." Right. Yep. I would definitely go back and play for. Him. Why is it that those players feel that way? They learn Absolutely. something. They learn something. You know, they yeah. learn something. We are missing in athletics. We are missing the building, the character building blocks, and that's what like I really hone on to mm-hmm. when coaching because of the fact that we're missing those character building blocks. Absolutely. You know, we're not teaching kids about toughness anymore. We're not teaching kids about transparency and being honest about if you don't know how to do things, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just things we just yep. have to build on to make yeah. better Yeah, and, and I think that's another thing. Like you said, it's a building thing where sometimes our kids are scared to ask or scared to say they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know um, You know why? Why do you think? Scared to fail. Inferior. Yeah. If you don't know, if you're sitting in amongst a room that everybody knows, and you're the one that don't that doesn't know, don't right. you going? You're not yeah. going to speak up. Absolutely. You're going to you're going to try to blend. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to you're blend when that question yep. gets asked you. You can't answer it. So how do we? And then you start to be fearful. Right. How do we fix that? Mm-hmm. Hey, I used to always put that out there to my kids when we had our little sit downs after practice or whatever. Listen, I'm gonna say stuff. If you don't know or you don't understand. Now is the time to tell me. I said, because I can explain it to you in full detail. And while we're sitting here in this practice room, I can show you. Mm-hmm. When we get in the game, if you ask me then, 
my answer is going to be short mm -hmm. if I'm able to answer you mm -hmm. at that moment. So it's best that you do it now where we'll know when we get to that point, you can just look at me and, mm -hmm. you know, and go ahead, keep going. You know what to do. I think a big part is, is, is a lack of male involvement in the youth. Um, yeah. I think it really start right there. Yeah. For, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I also think yeah. one of the other things um, with some coaches today where as far as the youth and dealing with the parents, mm -hmm. um, either they don't want to or they don't know how to tell a parent, your kid is not as good as you think he is. <laughs> I think that is a disservice to the parent and to the child and to the coach himself. A lot of times, it's a lot of pay and play, though. So yeah. people are oh, yeah. concerned about lining yeah. their pockets. Then absolutely. Taking care of the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times when I was coaching, you know, there were moments when we were after games and parents would come in like, yo, y'all got to leave. Right. And parents would look at me like, well, my son, okay, but your son plays on my team, not you. Right. You can stand outside the locker room, but you got to leave. Right. I need to talk to these kids. A you conversation know? Mo, Mo and I had was about like the professionalism of the players going back to the team. But like uh, one thing we did talk about is making sure that they have uh, a standard of dressing before the games, um, mm -hmm. how they carry themselves. So we're going to be real strong on uh, maybe all dudes got to come to the game in a suit. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, not so relaxed, just a little more right. professional. Like, just get the professionalism mm -hmm. um, early because that's. You know, a lot of them are like that. Just yeah. Knowing how to be a man for real. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just to close out, uh, great, great dialogue, great conversation from all of you. Um, again, I thank you again for um, taking time out of your day to come and sit and chat with me, present the Yaden Kings to the world. Uh, I wish you all the success. Um, I will be around because I know Slim is going to, be hitting me up and Absolutely. hopefully Coach Mo as well giving me dates and stuff so I will be around and I will do some things of course you know um, because that's what I do but lastly um, I want to just leave the people with this and I want more people to try this and this is just uh, as far as being able to understand basketball all facets of basketball and growing your basketball IQ. And I'm speaking to a lot of the youth when I say this, and then some coaches and some other people as well. What I found myself doing and my partner, Baldy, that was here, that's usually here with me, mm -hmm. what we found that we've started doing over the past several years is we watch basketball games with no sound. Mm -hmm. And somebody's, I told somebody at work, I said, well, no, I can't watch the game really here. Because y'all going to have the sound on and we're going to be talking back and forth in the game and I may miss something. And they're like, well, what you mean you're going to miss something? I said, it's hard for me to explain it to you when you haven't done what I've done as far as being a player, coach, and a referee. I look at the game, but I'm looking at, as we like to say, the game within the game mm -hmm. on all facets from the gameplay to the coaches and what the coaches are doing, what the referees are doing, how they're calling the game. I just feel like it's better for me with no sound because I can visualize it. And like we know, especially the NBA, 
it's entertainment. Mm -hmm. We know it's basketball, but we also know it's entertainment. So you tend to get caught up in the entertainment. Right. The commentators. Like if LeBron makes a dunk, you know, uh, like Mike Brain, bam, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And you're like, oh, darn it, I missed it. <laughs> now you got to wait for the replay. You know, just sit back, relax, turn the sound off, watch the basketball game. Forget about the fans. Forget about who's playing as far as their star status. Look at 10 basketball players on the court playing basketball, three referees, and a coaching staff. Mm -hmm. See how all these interactions go. Mm -hmm. It will definitely help you with your IQ. It will help you as far as your mannerisms, your understanding of how you're supposed to handle yourself on and off the court. Mm -hmm. It will help you, Coach Mo. It will help you understand how to deal with and talk to your coaches. It will help you understand and deal with and be able to talk to officials. Now, I was always one for telling my kids, don't say nothing to the referee. Mm -hmm. I got that. Your job is to play basketball. During the plays I tell you to play, whatever, whatever, you play basketball. Referee makes a call. He made the call. You know, uh, you drive into the basket, you keep getting fouled, and you coming to me, yo, coach, they smacking me all over. Coach, the referee ain't calling nothing. I'm about to no, you're not. What you're going to do is you're going to keep driving to the basket. I'll talk to the referee, but you're going to keep driving to the basket. You're not going to say nothing there. And a lot of times, as a player, you don't understand how that could turn against you. And you could be, it, it could be something simple as, yo, ref, I want a foul shot, yo, ref. Every time I go to the basket, they smacking me. Okay. But, you could have one of them referees that is coaching the scoreboard. Right. And we have those, Coach Moore, you know from coaching. You know, you have referees that coach the scoreboard. And he may say something to you like, well, y'all winning about 30. If I give you another foul, it ain't going to change the complexion of the game. Uh, but as a player, your thought is like, uh, uh, like Coach Moore said, yo, you, you disrespecting Why are you hating? I'm getting to the back. Why are you hating? He hacking me. You know, but you have to understand and, I mean, I've been in that situation. I've had referee games. And perfect example I use, I'm refereeing at, uh, over at uh, Finley, not Finley, uh, wherever I was at. But guy goes to the bat. It's like a minute left in the game. His team is up 30. Guy got drives to the basket. He makes the layup, and then the guy smacks his hand. And I'm standing right there watching him. I'm actually made the layup. Ball goes in. I smacked him a little bit. All right. I didn't call it because it was the team that was already up. Now they up 32. Go down the court. Somebody gets fouled, and I'm standing. I'm on the top, and the kid's outside. He comes to me and says, ref, you missed that fucking foul. First of all, watch your mouth. Right. You're about to get the tech. Watch your mouth. Turn to his coach. Yo, say something to him. I don't want him talking to me. Well, he can't talk to you? Not right now. I don't want him talking to me right now. Say something to him. Coach didn't want to say nothing to him. After the game, I catch the kid and I say, listen, you got to understand something. I said, I didn't call that foul because you made the layup. Yeah, but he fouled me. Not saying that I'm coaching the scoreboard, but when you made that layup, you went up 32 points. Mm -hmm. The team you was playing didn't shoot a three-pointer the entire game. <laughs> so it was a minute left. It was like maybe 14-minute halves or whatever. So for... 19 minutes, 17 minutes, whatever, they shot not one three-pointer. Mm -hmm. 
did you really think that one extra point was going to make a difference? It's not going to change the complexion of the game. It's a blowout, either way you look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had missed that shot, even though you was up 32, I would have gave you the foul because you got fouled. But you made the layup first, and then he fouled you. Or it might have even been simultaneously. The ball went in. I'm not calling that foul at a minute left in the game. I don't care who you complain to. You complain to PIAA, whatever, and I'll tell them the same thing. (laughs) You know, I'm out here reffing the game, but I'm also trying to teach along with what I'm doing. Like, you can't, I can't call that. I said, this is a community. I said, if I was in the public league and I made that call, the next time I came down the court, I would have been everything that the coaches wanted to call me for that day. <laughs> and you see Coach Mo, she know. It, it, it's just the way that it's I'm just. Nice to the but no, I mean, I understand, but you understand what I meant. And I knew that when you had that reaction. I understand. No, no. Yes, for sure. I would have been, my name would have been Mud. Yeah, yeah. In the public league. Pretty it would have been Mud. Yeah. People would have been seeing me ref and they'd have been like, oh, my he, God. Got he got him yeah. again. What is he going to do to help me lose this game today? So, you know, I, I, I think. We we covered a lot, you know. We got some educational pieces in, like I like to do, as Coach Mo knows from when she was here before. But again, a beautiful thing. Again, I wish you all the success with the Yaden Kings. Um, I I hope that you guys feel the team is everything that you're looking for, and, and you know nothing else. I wish you the best. Appreciate um, you. But before we go, just. Everyone just go through and give out your Instagram handle so people will know how to contact you if they need to get in touch with they would like to get in touch oh, with you. So <laughs> these guys are hilarious. You know what? Since I got your back, Coach Mo. Since they keep putting Coach Mo on the spot, I'm going to give everybody's handle to my immediate left, if you're looking at the screen, to my immediate left, you got Bryant Tucker. Bryant B. Tuck at County made underscore Tuck on Instagram. All of these handles are going to be their Instagram handles. In the middle, you got Coach Monique Boykins at Coach underscore Mo underscore Boykins. And owner Darren Akers, a.k.a. Slim, at Dead Poets Society. Poets with a Z. That's where you can find them. And you know, if you can't get a hold of them, you can get a hold of me and I can point you in the right direction or get the information that you need. At sportswrap underscore D on Instagram and Twitter. And also at Yaden King's Yaden Instagram. King. Follow us on and Instagram. And follow the Yaden at Yaden King's on Instagram. And they have a Facebook page as well. Yes, yes Yaden we King's Facebook page. Look them up, follow them, tell them Sports Rap sent you. And, and again, if there's any positions that uh, people are interested in, our positions actually go down to, um, they went down on Sunday. But if there are any last resumes that someone might want to get try to get in, uh, you can email me at mo underscore boykins at yayandkings.com. Uh, like I said, we are starting our coaching interview process uh, this week. Um, and uh, if there's cool. any other positions that people feel mm-hmm. like, hey, I might be interested in, please email us. Absolutely. So here you go, Joe. It's a chance to work for something big in your community and your backyard. With that being said, it is five minutes to the one o'clock hour. As usually, I would say, be great on purpose. But continuing with our quarantine and pandemic, I now say be safe on purpose. I will see you all week on social media and next Monday here live. 
Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, my guests. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Oh. So, actually, you know what? Y'all can stay right there. Y'all ain't even got to stand up. Oh. You can have to sit back down. I'll just take it while y'all sitting. And then if y'all got to go, y'all can go ahead and run. And I'll finish up in here. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all.